You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are just over 24 hours away from the Arizona Cardinals selecting 16th overall in the NFL draft. It's going down. The Jacksonville Jaguars are nearly on the clock. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals. Make sure you're following along at Locked On AZ Cards, at Clancy's Corner, and at B-O-B-R-A-C-K. Type it into your queue at Bob Rack. Easiest way to find it. You guys are lighting it up on social media. We'll put this one, point this out again. Apple Podcasts. I don't know what's going on, Tim Cook. You got to figure it out, man. I'll tell you what, Dalvin Cook's way bigger, better cook than you are right now until our podcasts are back up on Al- on Apple. I mean, Bo, you called him Tim Apple on Monday. So <laughs> this, is, this is an upgrade. We got the first and the last name. So now we mean business. But yeah, it's been like our DM. It, it's it's Potageddon. Yeah, You know, I, it's not. It sounds, oh, you know, it's a couple podcasts here and there like. I didn't realize that most of America has Apple Podcasts in their life somehow. Right. I didn't realize the numbers. And obviously, you can find us everywhere, and Bo talks about it better than anybody, but where you can find us. But yeah, it's been a glaring. It's been glaring. Our when numbers, haven't been- it's, it's at least half of our audience. And say yeah. what you will, some people crush us uh, as far as who uses Apple Podcasts. It's like... Uh, an old technology to to a lot of people. I mean, you can go Spotify, you can go Stitcher, you can go Google Podcasts. And I was so down about Apple, and then I got myself a set of AirPods, and I was back on the Apple train. I was like, oh, the, this is incredible. Who said that Apple? How do they was, not fall out? How do they not fall they're out? They're incredible, Alex. You won't. <laughs> you will. Ha- you have no idea until you you put a set in your ears. They are unbelievable. I thought it was downhill <laughs> after Steve Jobs, and I was wrong. We have a big podcast for you as we are just a day away from the Arizona Cardinals selecting 16th overall in round one, barring any deals. We're going to look at 49. We talk a lot about the first round pick. Should they go offense? Should they go running back? Should they go wide receiver? Should they go which cornerback should they like the most? There's a, there's a ton of different questions that we're trying to get answers for. We're going to identify which prospects Alex and I like at 49th overall. I mean, if they go playmaker... You look at the offensive line. If they go playmaker, they can go defense. They, they certainly have that needed cornerback. If they go cornerback 16th overall, then you can look at some of the playmakers, the wide receivers, the running backs, and, of course, stay in the offensive line conversation. We'll tell you our thoughts on that. Talking about the offensive line, though, Alex, a couple of days ago is Marcus Gilbert announcing his retirement, and some people were like, oh, this is interesting timing. I'm, I, my feeling on this is, Marcus Gilbert has no impact on the 2021 Cardinals or just the Cardinals organization in general. I would be surprised if they didn't know this already, that Gilbert was thinking about retirement. He sat out last year during the pandemic season. Uh, He wasn't going to be in the mix as far as the starting right tackle or left tackle or wherever on this offensive line. He just says goodbye, and I just say, hey, thanks for trying to make it work the last two years. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a thanks, um, but... uh have a good, you know, rest of your life after football. I mean, it's it's kind of a thing. Uh, <laughs> we would have felt the same way about Robert Alford with just more cap space. Yeah. 
You know, they had the same, they've had the same amount of impact on this roster. And I'm sure, you know, when around practice and everything, they're good practice guys. Otherwise, they wouldn't be a part of the organization still. But yeah, this is much ado about nothing. And Marcus Gilbert had an injury riddled career. He had some success in Pittsburgh with that incredible run rush attack they had for a long time, but just wasn't meant to be here in Arizona. No, it wasn't. Uh, but as far as how the Cardinals' offensive line looks, it's uh, it's not bad. It's not bad because they've got DJ Humphreys locked in. They have Kelvin Beecham locked in now. They have Josh Jones for depth. And uh, just looking across the line, I think that it's it's a it's a group that Steve Kime. I'm not saying that Alex and I are fully confident in this this position group, but I think Steve Kime feels like he's done enough this offseason, and it's something as far as the draft is concerned. They don't have to address immediately, and I'm talking first and second rounds. Yeah, I mean, like it's interesting because there's still a situ- there's still a possibility where the Cardinals take Elijah Vera Tucker at you know at, at 16. We have we've went off that like we were both like when this whole process started, like when we really started ramping up the draft talk, what six weeks ago, you were corner, I was offensive line. That 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 was that was the the divide between Bo and myself. And then they traded for Rodney Hudson. Things change a little bit. But if they draft an offensive lineman at 16 overall, would you would you be upset? I mean, it'd be boring. Would you be upset? Now, the second round, that's where it gets interesting. Like, is there a guy at in the second round that you'd want to draft from the offensive line position? Like, what if Quinn Min- Miners drops from Wisconsin with Wisconsin Clearwater? Like it was fun for a while to joke about this, but he's going to go in the top two rounds. What if Alex Leatherwood's there at 49? What if Landon Diggerson's there at 49? Both guys have played multiple positions at Alabama. It could be a real situation where you're looking at the wide receiver room coming week one like, this is what we got. Because they drafted a corner or running back in the first round and an offensive lineman in the second. So I wouldn't necessarily just say they're not going to draft an offensive lineman in the first two rounds. They very well could in one of the either two rounds, one of the first two rounds. Yeah, I think that as far as Elijah Vera Tucker, he's probably the exception in this because a lot of draft analysts have even pegged him the second best Mm -hmm. offensive lineman in this entire draft. I don't think he makes it past Minnesota at 14, but I think that you know, if he does fall into your lap, you're in an Isaiah Simmons situation like you were at eight last year. Like, well, holy crap, we can't pass on this type of prospect. You know, we have some guys that we like at guard, uh, but this guy at a USC is a beast and he can do some things in as far as solidifying this offensive line for years to come. I think that's the, I think Elijah Vera Tucker's the only guy, you know, outside of the, I mean, Penny Sewell's not going to fall to 16. You're not going to have Rashawn Slater probably fall to 16. Their teams, uh, problem, Bengals might not go Penny Sewell or Slater at five anymore, but there are teams between the Cardinals and those selections where I think two tackles are at least going off the board and probably Elijah Vera Tucker. So I think he's the exception. The Cardinals should look at him, but otherwise looking at the positions that we've been outlining for so many weeks, it's the, the cornerback spot. And if they go cornerback, we'll look at where they should go 49th overall. If they go playmaker, if they go wide receiver, where they should look at 49. And, uh, of course, if they go running back, they can go several different directions after the 16th overall pick. We'll start to look in those. It's Locked On Cardinals. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On AZ Cards. We've got our uh, 
Our throwdown Thursday tomorrow. We'll have that just before dra- the draft begins tomorrow night. Uh, and then we've got uh, our Friday show where we're going to be breaking down the pick that happens the previous night. Can't wait for that. Look for Alex and all the draft coverage. He's going to be breaking down the Cardinal selections if they trade up, what what that means for the cards, what kind of prospect they get. It's all going to be right here on Lockdown Cardinals, the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're going to team up with the Draft Network as well for some incredible insight. Uh, make sure you're following along on our Twitter uh, accounts at Bob Rack at Clancy's Corner. We'll have all that information for you coming your way. Coming up next, let's look at that 49th overall selection for the Cardinals. Alex and I are going to identify a couple prospects we like. It's all here. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network. This episode of Locked On Cardinals is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. It's where healthy and tasty collide. The taste of a Built Bar just hits different. Life gets tastier when you go to the website BuiltBar.com and order yourself an 18-pack. You can get a mixed box and figure out which Built Bar you like the best or you can just go with what we've been telling you about because I don't think we would sway you in the wrong direction like coconut brownie chunk. It's 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar. The thing about Built Bar is it's just as healthy as it is delicious. The bar is covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, but great for the health-conscious person. You can lose, maintain weight while indulging in a delicious Built Bar. Go to the website, use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes on the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts, including Alex and myself. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app. Wherever you get podcasts, it's really your only option until Tim Cook gets his crap together and Apple puts our, our shows back up. It's not like we did anything wrong. It's just I don't know what's going on with Apple. To, and I'm going to digress on that. But looking at 49th overall, Alex, um, let's throw a couple scenarios out there because there are a couple prospects that I think that would project to be there at 49 that can make an immediate impact on this roster as is constructed today. Yeah, I mean, before we get to the actual names, let, let me ask you this. And we didn't talk about this before we, we started the podcast. What is there a possibility of them trading back? Yeah, I mean, they're right. They're right in the middle of the pack, mm-hmm. so it could be looked as you know a first round light pick if somebody sees a guy that drops the 49 that may not maybe they didn't think would drop the 40. Like say Travis Etienne or somebody drops to 49. Mm-hmm. Could they trade back 10 spots and get a third-round pick? Does that warrant that high of a return just to move back a handful of spots in the second round? And if not, would it even be worth it? Yeah, we've seen Steve Kime do this before. He's not shy as far as trading back. He's traded up really just once, and that was a disaster, and that was the Josh Rosen selection from 15 to 10. But for the most part, I mean, he booted, he, he traded up for Buda Baker as well in the second round. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to be shy. If if they see something where there's going to be a player and they can get better value and accumulate more picks, yeah, I don't, I don't see them trading out of 49 as being an issue or being aggressive in trading back up. I just don't think they have the assets this year to do so. They'd have to dip into next year's draft stock. So, yeah, I, I think it's completely possible that they trade back, especially if somebody's in love with one of those running backs, if Javante Williams is on the board, if – if Travis Etienne, I mean, I'd like the Cardinals to hopefully they've done their homework on those players as well. 
if they don't go running back in the first round. You know, second round, as we said, it's a sweet spot. Right. It's just something that we – that's definitely something we haven't talked about because we're so focused on if they're going to move up or move back or stick and pick in the first round. Like, if they can somehow accumulate a middle third-round pick to move back 10 spots, you may not get the wide receiver you want. You know, Rondale Moore is probably going to go higher than people think he will. Kadarius Tony looks like a, a, a fringe first-round guy. Uh, he's, he's catapulted up the ranks uh, over the last couple weeks. You know – if it's not a home run guy that you want, like if Asante Samuel is there at 49, you take him. Like you're, you're not messing around. If a guy's yeah. there that'll fill a need, he'll be able to start hopefully week one in some or play week one in some capacity. But if you can get a middle third round pick and not have to wait 111 picks between their second and their fifth round pick, you almost need to give up exactly who you want in an effort to move back a little bit and get a pick. Yeah. I mean, if they find guy a guy, if, if on their their draft chart, which we don't know how deep it goes for the Arizona Cardinals. We've seen draft charts as, as small as 75 with the Patriots where they just look at those prospects, and then deep charts are like 200 players deep. If the yeah. next guy is on their draft board and he's available, you know it comes down to what your GM philosophy is. If you feel like, hey, there's value and I can trade down, still get my guy and then acquire picks, do that, or there's – I, I think it's it's fine if you just take the guy that you think is going to benefit your roster the most. It, it's just a it's just it varies across the NFL as far as what the philosophy for, philosophy is for each GM. Now, as far as the 49th overall pick, and you have to throw into several different scenarios that if they go cornerback, if they take a guy like Caleb Farley, 16th overall, like we did in the ultimate mock draft, then that opens up the Arizona Cardinals. The need be, then becomes playmaker or interior offensive line and I think that there's a group of guys that could fit that uh that's gonna that are gonna be available 49th overall when you think about interior offensive line Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma if he doesn't get picked up before then he's gonna be a very valuable guy uh your boy I think I was reading that people are really souring on the medicals on Landon Dickerson um Mm -hmm. We'll see. I mean, obviously the Cardinals are not a team that's going to rely on Dickerson to play right away. If they feel like he can project as a guy that's going to start down the road, it's not the worst pick in the world. Um, and then you look at the playmakers. You mentioned a bunch of them. And, like, it, Tony, I think he's probably going to be a first-rounder. Rashad Bateman's probably a first-rounder. But they're, yeah, I don't know about the kid from Purdue. I think he's, I mean, 5'8", maybe? Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, that's that's pretty tiny. But uh, they, they certainly need a playmaker, and they could be available in the second round. What, what do we go in our mock drafts at, in the second round? So we went wide receiver in our latest mock draft. So then you and I both went corner in the second round, and I think Asante Samuel. That's why I feel like playmaker in the first round makes the most sense because of the depth at the cornerback spot, potentially at 49. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and I'm still, I know it's not going to happen because there's a nice linebacker group, a nice edge rusher group. You can sneak one down. uh, You can sneak one in the second round. If they went corner, corner, it would be completely rudimentary, but I'd get it. I mean, it'd be like, you know what? This solidifies as much as it can at this point, a sour position on on the roster. Um, They just got to get it right. Like, you know, a, what I would love from Steve Kime this year, and I've said this, and it seems it seems weird, but I just want him to pick the right position. If it doesn't work out, that's the draft. But if he picks, you know, like if he takes Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round, okay, you know, defensible. 
And then he takes, uh, I don't know, an edge rusher in the second round. It's like, what the hell are we doing here? There are glaring needs. You have to draft a corner in the first two rounds. You have to. Otherwise, you're setting your defense up for failure. You can't just be like, okay, uh, pass rush. All three of you hooligans over the age of 30. (laughs) Go make it easier for the cornerbacks. Go get them. It's just like, that's not how it works. So if they draft one corner in the first two rounds, Asante Sammy would be great in the second round. I don't know if he's going to be there. I think he's a perfect second-round corner. He's the the quintessential perfect second-round corner. I'm just looking at it from a macro perspective. There are needs. Draft the needs. And if you trade back and get a third-round pick, awesome. But he just has to have an intellectual outlook on the draft and not just say, ooh, pretty light. Pretty light. Like, just hone in on your ADD. Draft the right positions. Yeah. You know, getting back to how we started this segment as far as what GMs and how they value picks and would they trade out or would they take their guy? Like, Steve Kime has taken players that haven't been, weren't even invited to the combine in the third round. So that's how he just takes his guy. That That's the likely scenario. Now, looking at some the scenarios that you kind of talked about there, as far as the needs, the cornerback is the number one need, and this is how I'll kind of set this up, is if you if you identify it in the first and second round, good job. If you don't, this draft is going to be viewed as a failure, right? And then next on that list, what do you have next on that list? Because it, it, it might vary between you and I. Is it wide receiver or is it inter- interior offensive lineman? It's interior of one of the lines. I don't care if they draft a defensive lineman. But, like, I mean, interior, seriously, I mean, it's the interior defensive line is not good. And we don't talk about that at all either. But probably, I would probably say wide receiver. Yeah. So if they go wide receiver in the first two picks, that's your priority number two, right? In the first two rounds. So corner, as long as they get a guy in one and two at 16 and 49, you're cool with it. And then next on that list, as far as the list of priorities, as long as they get a wide receiver in the first or second round, see, it's it's not as like that. That's why I'm saying it's the second on the priority list, and then and then the interior offensive line. I just I think how Steve Kime has approached this free agency and what they've done. I think it's absolutely your second priority is getting a playmaker because yeah. you can't rely on James Conner as much as we think that he can fit this offense. He's played ten and thirteen games respectively the last two seasons. He's staying on the field. There's like a 99% chance he's going to miss games. And then as far as, you know, the wide receiver, you're taking in AJ Green who had a 49% catch radius last season, which wasn't catch percentage last season. It wasn't good and he's 34 years old. Um I, I think it's t- you have to get a playmaker opposite Nook Hopkins in rounds 1 and 2. If not, you're scrambling 111 picks later. To who's left in the fifth round? Yeah, I mean they need to get an Andy Isabella replacement and one that'll work. Yeah, you know, I mean that's that's you need to do over for Andy Isabella because that's really the that's the skill set you want from somebody that can play at the at the NFL level. Like if Andy Isabella had, God, I don't know. Like you can't say Tyreek Hill because that's not fair. But somebody like if. Andy Isabella was on the negative side of the spectrum and Tyreek Hill on the field was on the positive side of the spectrum. You want somebody smack dab in the middle. Like that's the skill set you want in this offense. Somebody that can break 
the safety's hearts and keep everybody honest. And you, there are a, there's a plentiful amount. There's a bountiful amount in the second round. But yeah, wide receiver corner. But wide receiver is a little trickier because if Jalen Waddles there at 16, which he won't be, that's a trap situation with a guy that hasn't proven himself as a wide receiver one or wide receiver two in college. So I don't know. We're so muddied at this point with all the with all the scenarios. Like it's so fun to talk about, but it's endless. It's like picking brackets in the NCAA tournament. It's like we could talk about it for a hundred hours, but you know, it's just going to be mud at the end because it's all going to counteract itself. You you sound like Charlie Kelly and it's always sunny in Philadelphia where he's in front of like the uh the where he's playing yeah. detective and he's going through all the, the different mail guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's the mail guy, the mailroom guy. Is is <laughs> this is, <laughs> uh locked on Cardinals part of your locked on podcast network. An intriguing question that we want to know answers from from Cardinals fans. We're gonna get Alex's opinion. I'll give you my opinion on this coming up on the other side in regards to Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. We'll hit it before we get out of here. It's locked on Cardinals. Did you know there's some great over-unders as far as where a prospect's going to be selected in the NFL draft? Like Caleb Farley. Of course, he's got the medical situation coming out of Virginia Tech. At one point, was the top corner on most draft boards. His over-under, 23.5. If you think Caleb Farley's going to get drafted before the 23rd overall pick, you can make some cash. How about Devontae Smith, a polarizing prospect, 11.5. If you believe Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, is going to go before the 11th pick in the draft or after, go to betonline.ag and get some action. you got the NBA gearing up for the postseason, the NHL, Major League Baseball in full swing, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time, updated odds, props, and almost anything you could imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You put in $100, bucks, you will get $50 free to play around with. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for your welcome bonus. Make sure you're tuning in tomorrow night. Round one of the NFL Draft, the Locked On Podcast Network is teaming up with the Draft Network, and we're going to give you full coverage from 1 through 32. Actually, we're giving you full coverage from round one all the way through the seventh round as Locked On and the Draft Network team up. I'm going to be part of the coverage. Alex is going to be part of the coverage when the Cardinals are on the clock, breaking down each and every pick. All their incredible analysts and experts, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, the draft dudes, locked on NFL draft, Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak, Paige Demakos, who you saw on this podcast last week, watched, listened to, um, just an incredible group of very uh, just insightful, talented draft analysts. You're wondering where I was going with that. But uh, it's going to be a great collection of talent there uh, breaking down these picks for the Lockdown Podcast Network. Look for that. We'll tweet out a link. Um, I I, ha- I was thinking about this the other day because we do see a lot of vitriol as far as Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury entering his third season. He, he's kind of a punching bag these days, especially after how things ended for the Cardinals in 2020. Do you feel, Alex, that Cardinals fans are rooting for Cliff Kingsbury or rooting against him? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want your head in Cliff Kingsbury's situation. Let me put it this way. You want him to be talked about like the offensive line was talked about 10 years ago. Not at all. If it's doing, if he's doing his job, 
That's what you want this to be about Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, the defense, Vance Joseph, Buda Baker. You want things were doing a good job with this team. That's all you want. The ceiling is not super high. The ceiling's not the roof. Michael Jordan, this is a situation where some people are saying, you know what? It's worth one more iffy year to get rid of him so they can move forward with Brian Dable, Eric Bieniemy. We talked a lot about that during the during the coaching search early in the offseason. But I've come around like I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury yet, but I don't distrust him. I'm just kind of bleh. He's been a C student, and you can't be a C student as head coach and expect to keep your job for longer than a couple of years. There are ways that you can kind of you can shine up Cliff Kingsbury and say and you can put things in perspective and you say, okay, all right, I, I feel better about this. You know, they've steadily improved each and every season since he's taken over the reins, the offense. We've seen improvement there from an historically bad number in 2018 to pretty respectable in 2020. Kyler Murray, we've seen progress from year one to year two. Immediately he was he showed he was a starting quarterback in this league. And you can say, okay, Cliff Kingsbury had his hands in that. He was involved. So let's let's just pump the brakes on this. But then when you think about games like short yarded situations, uh in, on late downs, third and short, fourth and short, are you confident that Cliff Kingsbury is gonna make the right call? I would say very a lot the, the majority of people are skeptical. As far as game situations, as far as challenging plays, as far as clock management, as far as the the team making the right call when they're trying when they're playing from behind, I think people aren't confident in Cliff Kingsbury and they have every right to be because the jury's still out. Year three, the jury can't be out after this season. They have to either know that Cliff Kingsbury is the guy or they got to go out and they have to tab a guy like Eric Bieniemy or Brian Dable to be the next Cardinals head coach. Everything you just mentioned is what coaches do. That's yeah. those are coaches' responsibilities for sure, and he's failed pretty much the majority of those. So in that situation, it's easy to be the coach of Kyler Murray when he's rushing for 100 yards and throwing for 300 yards and scoring four total touchdowns and them winning. Because really, when it comes down to it. Football is chess, but the coach only has so much control over the player. I mean, players are either going to be making plays or they're not. The coaches, all they can do is put the players in the best situation to succeed. And, Ky- and Cliff Kingsbury has not done that for the majority of his time. The majority is not fair. For over 50% of his tenure as an Arizona Cardinal, even taking the the records away. Sure, Zane Gonzalez lost them, is responsible not directly, but some people think, in losing a couple games last year. But Kyler Murray's responsible for winning the Hale Murray and a couple other ones that got them to five and three, or it was six and three, whatever they were. So as long as he doesn't regress, he'll keep his job. You know? I mean, in injuries and stuff, he I don't think at this point he'll be a scapegoat. If they go seven and what is it? Seven and ten. Seven and ten this year. Yeah. Like if there's injuries and they go seven and ten. I don't think he's at the point where he's going to get fired because of that. But if the, everybody's healthy by and large and they don't improve, Bo, I think it'll be time. Yeah, I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury is a finished product as far as what he can be as a head coach. But there are the red flags that have you and you have every right to be skeptical as far as what he, he's going to be. And I've got some homework for our listeners and, and even Alex. Oh, goody. Watch... 
flight plan and watch the entire se- the the upcoming season. But and I'm not doing this, you know, to promote. But I saw something very intriguing in in the first episode when they were parading in J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, Malcolm Butler, Rodney Hudson. It was Michael Bidwill. It was Steve Kime. It was a collection of Cardinals players. And then there's a guy that's passing them in the hallway, giving them just like a firm handshake and moving on with his day. That's Cliff Kingsbury. I wasn't expecting that from K2. I thought that he would be more of like a liaison for the organization and say, instead of just in passing saying, hey, great to see you. Thanks for signing with us. It's going to be a pleasure. Can't wait to work with you. It's not like it shouldn't just be a work acquaintance for your head coach and your newest stars that you're bringing into the building. Now, there might be some some behind-the-scenes things, but when you're going to put your team under the spotlight, and it might be a YouTube series or anything, you know, whatever, you got to be more, like, political. You got to be more presidential in how you present, you know, how you're dealing with your players. Yeah, that's an interesting point, and I'm I'm trying to (laughs) – I, I wish I could have found this clip before you were done talking, but um, I go back to the conver- to the clip that he had that he said about J.J. Watt, and here it is. This is exactly Cliff Kingsbury's mindset, and this is not what a mindset of a head coach should sound like. I would say J.J. Watt has, has the type of presence that you don't want to let him down. I mean, you saw and you've heard some of those quotes coming out of town. That's it. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be his response. He shouldn't even be thinking about letting players down. He's the coach. He's the leader. Yeah. But he he's like, it's like, do you remember when Mike Brown was the head coach of Cleveland of the Cavs? <laughs> and he went up to LeBron, he shook his hand, he goes, thank you so much for letting me coach you. Mm-hmm. Shove it. Yeah. That should not be the leadership the Cardinals have. Just to your point, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, it's something to look out for as far as the Cardinals are concerned. I think you need to root for Cliff Kingsbury to figure it out. But at the same time, if you're rooting for his demise, you're rooting for the Cardinals organization to struggle mightily next season. And nobody wants that. It's Locked On Cardinals tomorrow. Full NFL draft preview. We're going to really look at it. Alex is going to take the reins, and he's going to guide us all the way up until the pick. It's 16th overall. The Lockdown Cardinals podcast. Follow along on Twitter at Lockdown AZ Cards, at Clancy Corner, and at B O B R A C K. Thanks for listening.